Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists, editorial board members, and columnists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined once again by Express News restaurant critic Mike Sutter. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, Mike. How are you doing today? Oh, I always like to talk about restaurants. Don't don't even get me wound up. How much time do we have? <laughs> I think we went 45 minutes last time. <laughs> Let's take exactly the time we need. This is, uh, you got straight to the point in this one. As you mentioned earlier off air, there was hardly any preamble on this one. You kind of went straight into it. But can you give us a quick primer of what we're doing here and why? Well, it's it's that same philosophy that we take about reading recipes. I know that people online have revolted against those private, those uh, intimate stories that preclude recipes. Uh, they just, they just want to jump straight into it. And that's the way I think I felt about naming San Antonio's top 10 restaurants because so often we write, and certainly during the pandemic, we were writing about restaurants without actually rating them and doing those kinds of value judgments. I think that people want to see and want to read whether they say they do or not. I mean, we did have a period of time where we were not doing any rankings or ratings, and that seemed appropriate for the moment. But that changed a year ago when uh, restaurant dining rooms went back to 100% capacity. And I think people's expectations rose back to 100% shortly thereafter. Yeah. The the reason why you guys weren't doing the full reviews is because you couldn't get a full experience at a restaurant, which yeah, that, that that made the most sense in the world. Oh, yeah. Certainly when they had not reached their 100% capacity yet, it was not, I think, a true indication of what that restaurant might be capable of, um, whether it was the food that was coming out of the kitchen and certainly not the service experience. So we wanted to, we wanted everything to come back to a point where you could reliably recreate the experiences that we were having. Another thing I'd like to bring up is the mask mandates and how they've eased. And I mean, that that has really changed everything, at least for me as well. It really changed the experience. Oh, it most certainly is. It has become much more about your personal choice now rather than any kind of mandate that's put on you. I um, certainly like to show up at the restaurant with a mask. I yeah. want people to feel safe around me. And of course, I want to be safe around them. Uh, but more and more now, you are certainly going to be in the minority if you're wearing a mask. And um, But I haven't had anybody give me any pushback on it. Okay, well, let's get started with at the top of the list, or not the top of the list, the beginning of the list. We have a uh, number 10 farm table. Yeah, we always and we always like to go in this um, order where we're going from 10 to 1, build up the expense a little a little bit the expense this yeah the expense Freudian also slip. The suspense <laughs> um it's funny now how that kind of slipped out one thing i want everybody to become accustomed to is paying more uh because uh food costs are going up by the week 
think about um, restaurants that are paying um, a flat hundred percent more for a crate of limes than they were six months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, so that certainly is part of the experience. Now you just have to ask yourself, is, is this worth it? And of course my answer is always going to be yes, especially for this list of 10, starting with farm table. Um, when Elizabeth Johnson made the move last year from her quaint space there across from the Tobin center, we were all kind of watching that to say, okay, what's going to happen when the expectations of this healthy, well-intentioned, um, extremely well-put-together restaurant are translated into a bigger space with the expectations that come along with that for service, for a bar, for maybe a menu that has a little bit more range to it. Um, Farm Table was never set up as a vegetarian restaurant. Though it's certainly vegetarian and vegan friendly, there was an always a, an omnivoral quality to it. And they've expanded on that some at their new space, which is over in Southtown in a brand new build out just behind um, the place where Brown's Coffee is. It also happens to sit next to another top 10 in this list, uh, Restaurant Michely. Um, but what they've done is moved into this brilliantly bright space with a long bar that has this accomplished, uh, thoughtful, creative bar menu, along with food that um, that goes beyond anything you might expect of health food. In fact, with the, with the review, I said, um, used to, we wrote about farm table with an asterisk because it'd be okay. Well, if you like health food, you're especially going to be tuned into this mm-hmm. and they have made room for so much more in this new place. The only thing they haven't made room for is that asterisk because this is good. Whether you want to consider it healthy food, um, well-imagined food, um, sustainable food or anything like that. It's just good. No matter how you define it. Another thing I, I forgot to mention at the top of the show was that the article we're talking about as always is going to be linked in the episode's description And if you do go to the article, each one of these restaurants that we're going to talk about has an in-depth review uh, linked within it as well. So be sure to check those out. Yeah, on this list, it's just going to be a few sentences about the place to give you a sense. And then it'll link to the to the uh, last the most recent review that we've done on these places. There's lots of great pictures. Is this all you? This is all me. This is the first time this this marks a big moment for me for for. Uh, pride of ownership. Um, I've been with the Express News now five and a half years, and this is the first time that the list is truly mine. And that's from um, every restaurant to every photo. That's awesome. Uh, So let's get down to number uh, nine. Aldo's, a classic, one of my favorites. I especially love Aldo's because um, everybody loves a good redemption song. And uh, It's been two and a half years ago now that Aldo's moved to the Dominion area from the place where it had spent the first 33, 35 years of its life over in the the medical center area Mm -hmm. in this charming little cottage. Now, charming maybe if you like that kind of country club atmosphere where you feel like you have to be a member to fit in. And because I decidedly was not a member the first times that I went to Aldo's, I did not feel like I fit in there. Um, So much of that changed when Aldo Ghaffari, the owner, moved the place over to the Dominion because, um, you know, progress comes for us all. And that's what happened at the medical center. That 
uh, cottage where Aldo's got its start exists no more. It's um, it's all sorts of different developments over there now. So he was pushed by necessity to find a new place. So he moved into this grand operatic theater space that used to be another Italian restaurant that was nowhere near the quality that Aldo's is. Um, the thing that makes the difference over there, besides this really nice bar and happy hour scene that attracts um, a new set of regulars, I think, from the north side, as opposed to being over in the medical center, um, is that they make their own pasta. Mm, and not yes. just the not just the ravioli sheets or the, the sheet pasta that makes lasagna. They're making angel hair and bucatini and rigatoni, uh, very challenging forms to... Um, bring by hand into a very busy restaurant scene. I mean, I've been going to Aldo's pretty much my entire adult life. It's been my my go-to date spot for a really long time. Not not a bad choice because they it's it's that kind of formal captain style service that yes. makes you look important, especially say to your date. Yes, because they are they're you know, they're going to pop that menu out and put it in your hands and and uh, move your silverware in and out. You, you look like you know what you're doing. Aldo's was the place, the first place, I should say, that I really saw that type of invisible service that they taught me later on at Ruth's Chris, where you're expected to to take care of the customer's needs, but be invisible at the same time. Luis, it's almost like you were sitting at the table with me because that is exactly the service experience at Aldo's. It's and it's a neat trick to be always present yet invisible. Well, yeah, that's Aldo's always one of my favorites. Uh, but moving on to number eight, Silo. Here's a crazy thing. Silo and Aldo's are now just three doors apart, <laughs> four doors apart right there in the Dominion Ridge shopping center. Um Really impressive when when you consider that um, right in that same area, you can have two top 10 experiences, you know, heck, in the same evening if you want to. Yeah. I love Silo Terrace Oyster Bar in part because it's got built-in quality from the Silo family of restaurants run by Patrick and Carrie Richardson. I think they have four Silo locations now. Um, this, to me, is the flagship. It's kind of built out like a... Um, fine dining tree house with a, a, you know, let's be frank, a view of the upper level of the, uh, of the um, highway next door, but look beyond that and you get the hills. And then as night starts to fall, you just get this really kind of um, otherworldly experience, almost like being at a, at a resort in a faraway place. Everything else goes away except for what you're doing at that moment. Um, I think I called it a designer treehouse, and it's a place where you can certainly scope out um, the fashion labels and the money that is walking past you. Um, besides all that, though, in the middle of all this style is also one of the very best oyster experiences in the city. You're on any given night, you're going to be choosing from eight to ten varieties of oysters wow. uh, from the Gulf Coast. From um, from I can't remember whether they. They do Gulf Coast. What I meant to say was East Coast and Canada, Prince Edward Island, and um, all of these places known for extraordinary oysters. And um, they just serve them flat out shucked, uh, plenty of good brine, always fresh. They make these magnificent seafood towers with crab legs and lobster and 
uh, crab claws and oysters. Um, all of this beautiful crushed ice sculpture work. And then on top of that, they have a, a wonderfully tuned um, hot kitchen as well, where you're going to get some of the best roasted uh fish in the city. And I also love how they do fully composed dinners. So you're not just getting things a la carte and then leaving it up to yourself to, to build out what might be your, your best restaurant experience. I haven't been to this particular silo, mm-hmm. but I've been to one on, uh, on Blanco and 1604 right off the access road. Uh-huh. What's the difference? Is there a difference between these two uh, restaurants? There are some, you're going to find some similarities in the menus, but they all have their own personality. That Silo 1604 is more of a, uh, um, a cosmopolitan ex- dining experience. You're, all of the silos have an upstairs component, and that's where you get that, that silo elevated dining experience, as mm-hmm. they like to characterize themselves. And then the, uh, the silo on Austin Highway is um, a little less formal. And then um, Silo Prime, the steakhouse downtown, is about as um, as dressed up as you're going to find for um, a San Antonio restaurant. It's a, it's actually absolutely a top tier, um, elegant dining experience there. Yeah, I really got to go check that one out. I'm a big fan of oysters. Um, but moving on to number seven on the list, Clementine. Another kind of redemption song, because when the the very first restaurant review I did in San Antonio was at Luke down at the uh, Embassy Suites on the Riverwalk. And this was a big, high profile place. It was started by the New Orleans chef, John Besh, and at the time made quite a splash. And um, John Russ, who is the co-owner of Clementine with his um, wife and pastry chef, Elise Russ, was the chef there at um at Luke. And that was a disaster of an experience. And it sort of um, brought me into the San Antonio restaurant scene in possibly the worst way possible, where everybody just thought maybe I was an assassin coming to gun for them. And that's not the case at all. Um, But then when John and Elise opened Clementine a couple of years later, it was just this, this reawakening of this couple's passion for bringing their love of Southern cooking to a much broader audience. And when I say Southern cooking, let's don't put that in a pigeonhole. It's just using um, elements from the Gulf and Bayou spicing and Cajun ideas and incorporating that into these fresh, brilliant plates that might even include um, handmade pasta or Bayou style shrimp with coconut rice or this crazy beet salad that um, just has everything going on at the plate in the same time, including a little chocolate granola. It's just this um, sensory explosion. And I have to say at Clementine, I had one of the city's best wine experiences. They don't have a great big menu, but it's really well curated to the food. And we happened to get a server who knew everything about it and guided us through. We ordered two glasses of wine because we were coming off Fiesta and were a little saturated by that point. (laughs) Um, Just not that night. I don't mean to apply that we got there with the buzz. Um, But our server recommended. We, we said, we're going to get one glass of piece, one white and one red. Well, what he did is he split that into two half glasses with two different reds, two different whites, and walked us through everything we were tasting. And I know that sounds like a small thing or maybe one of those elitist things, 
But when you treat wine like food, like an essential part of the dinner experience, it becomes so much more than just trying to show off what you're drinking. Yeah, Clementine is special. Uh, you, I mean, you bring it up in the article. I've had it before. The, the feed me menu. Just incredible. I'm so glad you brought that up because if you don't want to feel like making decisions, they will make that decision for you. And the feed me is a seven course experience of Clementine um, that is priced uh, well within reason. Yeah. And I mean, I think when I went last year, I don't remember exactly, but I must have spent like something like $70 per person, which for a gourmet meal, seven course is actually pretty incredible. Yeah, and the uh, the caveat there for people to know is that if you're going to do the feed me, the whole table participates in it. They won't do it just for one guest. Correct. Um, but that's a very small trade-off. Definitely. And now uh, moving on to number six, shout out to my friend Ashley who just got a job here. Shiro Japanese Bistro. Oh, that's good. To, that's good to hear. This is right across from the San Antonio Museum of Art. Um, it's on the river walk, but, but push back just enough that you don't consider this a river walk restaurant in that, in all of its, um, you glory, can see the river, walk. All of its connotation. You can see the river walk. If you're sitting outside, if you're sitting inside, you're sort of in this industrial techno space yeah. with lots of pink and purple and, um, Japanese, uh, pop culture projected onto the wall in various forms. You're going to get, um, um, anime and uh, oddball commercials and film clips and things like that. So you kind of feel like you're, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore anyway. And then um, the the fish itself, the fish itself um, is put together by Gray Huang, a chef from San Diego. San Diego, of course, I, I think for so many people being one of the meccas of sushi in the United States. And he had come to visit San Antonio and was so impressed by the uh, Culinary Institute of America over there at the Pearl that he wanted to bring his sushi experience to San Antonio. And if you've ever been in one of those positions where you're going, uh, where can we go eat sushi in San Antonio? Maybe you have two or three answers to that. This has now become, for me, the number one answer. Oh, wow. Really? Um, brilliantly cut fish that he's getting primarily from the Tsukiji market in Japan, um, in Tokyo, having that flown in a couple of times a week. Um, so you get this beautifully marbled fish that just gets um, treated like an art installation on these bowls of ice with shells and um, maybe uh, smoking coals and um, just fish at its most basic and beautiful form, which is not to say that he doesn't also do some of those crazy rolls that people do, but this isn't the place that you go to get those deep fried rolls covered in mayonnaise sauce. This is the place to go to appreciate well-cut sushi and sashimi. Wow. That's a really bold claim. Wow. I'm really impressed uh, that that's your number one spot. That's awesome. Absolutely. Without question. And now let's move on to number five, um, probably the best steakhouse in town, in my opinion. Shout out to Chef Jones there, Bohannon's Steakhouse. You know, it. I was so taken by it. You get email feedback and, and sometimes it's so inscrutable. Somebody said, I've never heard of any of these restaurants. 
and all of them are downtown and they're nowhere near where I am. And I thought, you've really never heard of Bohannon's. You're you're saying that you're a fine dining fan and you've never heard of Bohannon's or you've never heard of Aldo's and it's been around for three and a half decades. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a matter of um, you want to see the places that you like on a list like this and a place that I like. And because I get to make this list is Bohannon's. And I think about this as, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it's the best service experience in San Antonio. Yes. There are, there are others that are rising to that level, but I feel like a good fellow when I go into Bohannon's. I feel like if I wanted them to bring out a phone on a little portable table, that they would do that for me. It's captain style service. So you've got one person who's in charge of your table, but everybody has a stake in your table. <laughs> See what I did with steak? Yeah, there? That's good. That's real good. <laughs> <laughs> and now speaking of steak, um, they're just the steaks they have on the menu. They're, they're, they're brilliant. They're expensive. They come all by themselves. Let me tell you, they're worth it. And um, you're going to get a beautiful steak perfectly prepared to your temperature with a nice sear and seasoning on the outside. I also like what they do with their specialty meats, their, their Akayushi or their, their American Kobe or something like that. They bring it out on a plate as if they're presenting you the dessert options for the night. And it is so hard to resist doing some of those things that, that, you know, getting that cut of meat that's going to cost you what you otherwise would have spent for your whole table that night. Mm-hmm. It just depends on how much you want to treat yourself. And I got to go do during the pandemic, do a surf and turf uh, experience there at Bohannon's that even during the pandemic had not changed the experience at all. Like I always say, I, I really don't have a super discerning palate and at the end of the day, when it comes to like these high-end steaks, I personally feel like you're splitting hairs. Uh, you could go to a lot of different places and get a good steak. But mm-hmm. the atmosphere at Bohannon's is kind of unmatched. The quality of the service, the hardwood floors, the jazz, just everything about the atmosphere for me is what really does it and sets Bohannon apart for me at least. I completely agree with you. And from there, moving on to number four, Mixley. And um, just so when you go, uh, that you that you say it the way, it's like going to a French restaurant and finding out the pronunciations are a little bit different than you thought. Mm-hmm. It's Mishli, which in the Nahuatl language means cloud. And so the idea here is that this is an experience that can change just as if you were looking up at the sky. And something I love about Michelin is they're not afraid to look up at the sky. And these, this is um, Mexican hawk cuisine, which gets the same tweezered attention to detail and the respect that you get from any French restaurant or any other cuisine that gets that kind of fussy presentation. And some of it's fussy, but, but some of it is just um, incredibly well thought out, like... Um, we had scallops that were presented with coconut foam over a bed of dry ice with seaweed. And so you can look at that and say, well, this is awfully showy, or you can just sink into it and say, 
this is a night that I'm going to remember. And as a gift for my daughter, uh, my daughter's graduation from from the university, um, I took her to Mishli. And she it just blew her mind. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture right now the, the, of what you just mentioned, the scallops with the coconut foam and dry ice. It looks, I mean, that looks like a work of art. It looks like a modern art piece. It was most certainly a work of art, and it tasted every bit as good and interesting as it looked. Some, speaking of um, things that look as good as they taste, you're going to be able to experience all of this firsthand because the kitchen is right there in the dining room. And it's not a cacophonous, loud mess. It is a well-oiled machine. And you will see um, Diego Galicia right there in the kitchen with his crew. Um, one of his, their pastry chefs, Sofia Tejeda, got um, nominated for a James Beard Award this year uh, in the national competition. Uh, very, very proud of San Antonio in that regard. And you're also going to see um, chef and co-owner Rico Torres uh, working the the tables and telling the stories of the food as it comes up. So this is, whereas this is another story of a restaurant that moved. They started out in a 12-seat boxcar mm-hmm. in uh, just McCullough. outside Almost Park. And it was uh, uh, an eight to 10 course meal. And you ate it with 11 strangers around a table. And they just brought the dishes out fast and furious and rotated them in and out without making a bunch of racket in the kitchen. It was remarkable in that sense. So you still get that a taste of that experience here. It's still a multi-course dinner and um, they're still weaving it out right in front of you. But now you don't have to eat with strangers. You can do a table for two and there are seatings throughout the night as opposed to just the one seating a night that they used to do at the boxcar when Meesley was in Almost Park. I, uh, an, excellent, the- an excellent transition to a more uh, – to a bigger space, a more modern space. Well – I, I've, I've heard of Michelin before, but I, I thought for some reason, maybe I've, I've got it confused. Did, do they have a wide mezcal selection there? They had a, a – and forgive me if I'm pronouncing this wrong. I'll just say they had a mezcal-centric bar uh, just across the uh, shopping center in Almost Park. Oh, okay. And um, that was a brief experiment, and then they went back to concentrating on the restaurant. Interesting. Uh, okay. When they were at the boxcar, it was uh, they did not have a liquor license, and they would include a couple of complimentary alcohol pairings with the food. But they now have a full bar and a very good one. Is it, that old location is where Milpa is now at the yard? Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Uh, Chef Jesse Kaikendall put uh, uh, Milpa the the sort of uh, I would say brick and mortar, but it's the boxcar iteration of uh, the Milpa taco trailer that I like yes. so much. Yes, we've, we've spoken about them in the past. They're absolutely excellent. I love it. Uh, number three, Cured. This is another one I haven't had the chance to make it out to for some unexplained reason. Everyone tells me it's great. And I have to, I have to pull on this description of Cured that I, that I wrote in the uh, synopsis here is that uh, Steve McHugh has become the Susan Lucci of the James Beard Awards. Susan Lucci, who <laughs> used to get nominated for the soap opera Emmys every year, I, you know, for so many years in a row and didn't win. Um, he has now been nominated. Chef Steve McHugh, who owns and is the executive chef at Cured, 
has been nominated for his sixth go around as a finalist for Best Chef Texas in the James Beard Awards. Oh, wow. um, those those final awards have not been uh, handed out, but um, he's in the running yet again for the kind of experience at Cured that gives you a sense of place. And it's not San Antonio that's the place you're going to be getting a sense of. To me, it's a beautiful symphony of uh, Chef McHugh's um, growing up in the Midwest and then being trained and being um, an active part of the New Orleans scene. So you get sort of this this saloon feel when you go in. This restaurant at the uh, Pearl used to be the administrative building for the old Pearl Brewery. There's even a vault behind the bar where I like to think that they keep all their cooking secrets. (laughs) Um, But Cured um, has two meanings for the name. One is that Chef McHugh overcame cancer to be able to live into his restaurant dream. He was cured in that sense. But they also um, age and cure all of the meat that they use to make the city's best charcuterie board. So you're going to get smoked duck ham, pork rillettes, aged copa, um, house-made jams and pickles to make these um, magnificent uh, tours of all of the skills that um, the chef and his crew bring into that restaurant. That's incredible. I didn't know that about that, about the cancer. Oh, Oh, yeah. And I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I got excited about something. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. Frito pie. Uh, One of my favorite things on the planet of the earth um, is Frito pie. And the way they make it there, they use the trimmings from their dry aged ribeye to make the chili component of this Frito pie. And yes, they use actual Fritos from the bag. And then you get this wonderful beer cheese that, um, that finishes it off. Oh, it was just such a, such a cool way to enjoy a dish that is familiar and wonderful in, in all its forms, but especially in this one. That sounds amazing. I can't, I need to go check that out. It's been, I mean, overdue. Uh, number two bliss. And, Putting together a list like this, I would love it if every restaurant were brand new and if it included a food truck and there was um, all of these crazy small projects and things like that. There are wonderful food trucks and small projects throughout San Antonio. And I would love to do an Alterna top 10 list to show you all of the places that don't um, that that aren't on a list like this. I say that all as a prelude to the idea of bliss, which has been around for 10 years in Southtown. And it might be seen as not a very creative choice. Okay, it's this fine dining place that's been there for a decade and uh, what's changed? Well, you'll be happy to know that at bliss, not much has changed. (laughs) They are happy to continue to play versions, remixes of their greatest hits over and over because these are truly wonderful concoctions like their crispy oyster sliders. They do these uh, cheese grits that they do with seared scallops. And then the one that really just gets me every time is this beautifully coraled roasted duck served with seared foie gras. Just one of those over-the-top indulgences that they do with um, uh, just such consistency. That's the big word for bliss. And that's why it lands at number two on this list is the experience that you had four years ago is the experience you're going to have 
two years ago and that you're having right now. That is a feat in of itself. Yes. Yes, it is. And I went to them again, another place that I went during the pandemic when they were doing um, culinary as sort of um, get out to restaurants and do these uh, wonderful three course pairings. And in the middle of the pandemic, they were still top quality service, um, excellent food, smart wine advice, so much to like about uh, Bliss and this uh, converted gas station over in Southtown. That's an excellent mix of um, exposed brick and polished steel. And so you get really well-prepared, solid, even sometimes rustic food in a thoroughly modern environment. And then moving on to number one, uh, not surprisingly, sort of, because they, they, uh, I've heard you talk about Brasserie Monchuchu before, but they top your list. This is one of those cases where a year ago, when restaurants had gone back to 100% capacity in the dining rooms, Monchuchu was fighting to get up out of that after having just opened not too much before that. So they had to open in the middle of the pandemic and then rise up through the um, the restrictions and then the lifting of the restrictions. And it's sort of that layered strata of here's how to run a restaurant. We're just going to make you relearn it every couple of weeks as the rules change. And Brasserie Monchuchu from the get-go put together by professionals who know what they're doing. It's from the Southerly Hospitality Group that has, of course, Southerly at the Pearl and then Southerly Hot South out at the Rim. And Laurent, Chef Laurent Ray in the kitchen, um, of course, uh, a French native who has cooked at some of the best restaurants in San Antonio and now finally gets to call the shots in his kitchen um, doing the the French cooking that I'm sure he grew up with. I, I can't claim to have been there, but um, I, I remember having a conversation with my editor when I gave Monchuchu its five-star rating. Because a year ago when we started doing restaurant ratings again, we decided to move from um, a more classical New York Times style four-star system to a much more universal five-star system mm-hmm. where you know one is bad and five is the best. Well, they allowed me to set the benchmark for the new five-star system <laughs> by performing to a five-star level. They earned every single star. And um, you can't talk about Monchuchu without talking about uh, uh, Philippe Plaza. Um, the Frenchman who runs the front of the house and always has a story to tell you. I remember um, this uh, great waiter that we had at Monchuchu um, serve us this um, this rustic dessert, it, basically peaches and cream. And she said, doesn't it remind you of Philippe's childhood? And we just <laughs> cracked up because he's the one telling you about all these stories from his childhood that reminded him of the food at Monshushu and kind of can't help but transport you into there. And you kind of feel like you're transported to a French environment with the uh, small black and white cafe tile throughout the restaurant and this wonderful um, tangerine pastel color scheme and this broad wooden bar. And then to top it all off, 
there is a sidewalk cafe vibe outside mm-hmm. yeah. where you just get the best people watching as people walk by with their dogs and with their entourages and um, at, at the Pearl, which is just draws a wide cross section of people um, for you to just admire and um a lot of great Enjoy cars pass what? through there because it's the very front of the Emma building. It is. So you you do get to see the occasional Rolls, Rolls Royce or Lamborghini come through over there. And um, it just feels it's a transportative, transportive experience. Well, I, I love the, with the exception of Bliss and Cured, which are the two I haven't gone. I mean, when you're right, you're right, Mike. These these are these are <laughs> these are amazing. I love these places. I need to go try Cured though. That uh, that Frito Pie you just talked. My mouth is watering right now. I'm looking at the picture right now. It looks incredible. Yeah, and I would love to tell you, by the way, about 40 other restaurants to make a, a rounded out top 50. Um, but I realize we only have time to go through 10. Um, but we will have other opportunities. Before I let you go, the, just a quick question. This is San Anto- uh, Mike Sutter's top 10 San Antonio restaurants in 2022. We're not even halfway through 2022. Are we going to get an end of the year list that's going to be this just updated? Or how, what, what, do we, what can we expect by the end of the year? Well, let me tell you what this represents is a, a list three years in the making. Because the last time we did a top 10 was 2019 before all the before all the trouble started and um so this while it it's the list for 2022 it also represents 2021 and part of 2020 um all going in to form this list will we update this list by the end of the year probably not but that's because we have so many other top 10 lists coming including this week chuck blount rates his top 10 barbecue joints oh. in San Antonio. Well, so that I'll probably is be, be speaking to him later this week then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. That That's a that's a podcast. That's an episode of, of In-Depth that I want to listen to as well. All righty, Mike. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time out to just go through everything. Oh, anytime. Hell, let's do this every week. Uh, oh, you know I've been wanting to do that. All right, <laughs> bye guys. <laughs> <laughs>